Welcome back to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel. Our theme for the next four podcasts centers around a play that is called The Exonerated. Way back in 2020, I had the pleasure of interviewing Eric Jensen and Jessica Blank, authors of this play that they composed way back in 2000. Since then, it has been done all over the United States and in several countries. So today, our guest is Beth Young, director of The Exonerated, which ran at the Ridgefield Theater Barn in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You have a very fascinating resume. (laughs) Actor, playwright, director, teacher of theater arts, both behind bars and on the outside, and nurse. My listeners would love to know more about you. What can you tell us? Well, um, I'm I'm not as scatterbrained as that makes me sound. I'm kind of (laughs) over the map. But uh, yes, I I fell in love with theater when I stepped on stage uh, doing HMS Pinafore in kindergarten. And uh, yeah, and uh, immediately I just I just felt like this was where I belonged. And my entire life, I I have um, worked in theater in some capacity. I was in New York City for a while. I had children, moved up to Connecticut and was stunned at the wealth of theater that is available to participate in here. Really, it's just very exciting. Um, So yeah, continued to do that and expanded my talents. I went back to school late in life for a bachelor's and met the most amazing playwright teacher. And and I've always loved writing and began writing plays, which is so much fun and was really came in handy with my teaching because of the populations that I teach. Um, I did spend five years working in uh, facilities, uh, prison facilities, correctional facilities in Connecticut, most particularly Garner Correctional right here uh, in town and um, Osborne up in um, Summers, Connecticut. So that was a very exciting experience and very serendipitous. It's a re- it was a real lesson to me in letting things come to you. I certainly didn't seek it, but being invited in and being part of that world for so long was so enriching and so amazing. The people that I met were incredible and so impressive. And um, yes, and continue to write with them. So was able to teach that. Currently, I teach in assisted living facilities to seniors mm. and we put on productions. And and it's um, the same thing that, you know, the writing is not something come to everybody's afraid to write. But when you teach them how to write, it becomes a real uh, beautiful exercise for them. And as far as being a nurse, uh, that supported my acting habit for a long, long time. Um, and there is no richer way to to connect with humanity than in the healthcare industry as a nurse when you're caring for people at all. I worked in critical care. I worked in um, regular med surge units. I've worked in nursing homes. I've worked all over the place. I've used my nursing license for a lot of um, different experiences, and I have to say they they made me. Uh, aware of humanity in a different way. You you care for people from all walks of life and learn so much. So that has definitely, definitely informed my theater work. All right. Um, in terms of directing, how much are you more heavily on 
the playwriting side or now are you focused mostly on your role as a director of plays? When, so working in the nursing home and working in, in the correctional facility, I directed all the time and then just worked with them on their writing. Um, I always am writing something, always, but um, not always a play, but usually when you're a playwright, everything is a play. Every, everything you see, you see somebody drop an apple on the floor and you think, oh my gosh, I could write a play about that. So, so it's, I'm always, always exercising that muscle, whether it comes to anything or not is, is, uh, you know, it's depends on how, how committed I am to it as the story unfolds. I love directing. I've more recently become a director in, 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 you know, in theaters, in the, in the theaters around here. My work started as a director in, in doing the, the work as a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, so now I would say that I do both of those things. I'm also the artistic committee chair at Ridgefield Theater Barn. So I do a lot of work um, helping get the season set up, selecting th the plays we're gonna do and interviewing directors who'll, who'll take part and who'll take that over. So still very, very involved in theater. I recently retired from nursing um, after decades. So uh, very, just my whole life now revolves around theater. Theater. Yeah. Um, what, I know the play that we're talking about was done back in the fall. Um, what plays have been at the theater barn since then? Are they plays that are well known or new plays? So the most recent thing is an annual production that they do. Um, uh, it's the One X, and it's anywhere between six and eight One X that have been submitted to be um, to be produced at the theater barn, and that's that is something they do every March, and it is so much fun. Um, and so that's the most recent thing. I'm trying to think. What was, I think the exonerated was the end of last season. The barn is undergoing quite a bit of construction. So we're a little limited as to space there right now. Um, but they, yeah, they continue to, to put things out. The next play coming up is, is next to normal. And that opens in, I think at the end of May, it is in rehearsal now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, why did you decide if it was your decision to direct this particular play? What what was it that spoke to you? Well, they asked me to direct it. I so so I didn't I didn't seek that, but when there was a director needed, I and I, they reached out, I said, absolutely, I'd love to do this piece. Um so I mean and the the play itself went through a few um attempts, but through the pandemic it kept being pushed aside and you know moved forward and forward until finally we could do it with a full audience because it deserved a full audience. Yeah. Um, and so we, they asked me to do it. And I said, of course, because I, um, I think I felt, um, I, I think that theater as a vehicle for communication um, and for people to see things that they have know nothing about is, is one of the really valuable parts of, of our offerings of theater is, you know, you know, this is happening. And this particular play, these are true stories of people who were, were um, charged with crimes that they didn't commit and then sentenced for, for sometimes for a long, you know, a couple of decades um, 
for crimes they didn't commit. And I, we've probably heard those stories. I mean, you hear them on the radio or, you know, the Innocence Project will put something out. But when you connect with it, when the whole story is being told, it's a, it, it, you, you see people as people that before were just statistics or, you know, a, a, you know, and, and there's a whole, a whole range of emotion that people bring to that when they, when they hear about it or see about it, that would make them understand it. But when somebody is standing there telling you their story, that's impactful, that, that can change a mind. So I'm sure that people who are listening, I think we probably have some very familiar with the play, but I would guess that a lot of people are not necessarily that familiar with it. So how would you uh, tell the audience uh, or my listeners uh, about the play? How would you describe it to them? So the play is unique in that it's, it's there's 10 characters and they kind of revolve around each other. They're not really communicating with each other, but they tell their stories um, sometimes with, with a, a, a spouse or a partner um, other times alone, they're telling their stories of, you know, being charged with something and, and the confusion and the, the frustration that goes with that. And then, and then they tell the story of incarceration and then eventually how they were released um, because all of the people in the play who are representative of real people um, were eventually released. So, so it t carries the story from the the crime, um, and the experience of being put in jail and and some a prison and some of the um, experiences there, and uh, and then the release. So you take the journey with with the character, and the the word <clears throat> the words they speak um, aren't the, many of the uh, the lines uh, exactly you know, match to trial transcripts and uh, interviews with police, that kind of thing. Yeah, there is. And some of them even prior, you know, prior, were used, they were interviewed for this. Not all of them were interviewed. Um, so I'm sure things were taken from those interviews. I didn't really do a deep dive into the actual specific language. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, if it's from any court documents or anything. Uh, it may be because they did use people representing judges and attorneys and things, and, and that very well may be. I didn't really look into that. I just used what we had um, and kept it very simple. The words are so powerful. You know, we had really very little in lighting, uh, a very bare set, uh, minimal costuming. Um, I did use movement in it. I did, I did want them to move around the stage, but it was um, the words themselves were just ripping really very compelling so <clears throat> there were 10 <clears throat> excuse me people in the play were they all people who had been accused of crimes um not all of them a couple of them were spouses we had two women playing three different roles of, of spouses um we also had two people that played multiple characters um that were police officers judges brothers, other assess, you know, ancillary characters that were uh, necessary to move the story along or to give it, you, you know, a contrast. And um, 
they were terrific. They were terrific. Were there, was there anyone in the play that was fictional or were all of these characters based on real people? They were based on real people. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you ever have a chance to speak with the playwrights? No, I didn't. I emailed her. I understand they're a married couple. I emailed her was the only number I could find because I did I did want to follow up with her um, and talk about, you know, what they were considering for the future of the play or, get, you know, just get some feedback from her. But uh, no, we didn't have an opportunity. I or at least I haven't heard back. I just found an email site for her on her. She teaches dance or movement or something. So I, I that's where I found it. So in terms of um, directing the play, how, how do you begin to put a play like this together? Um, where you had how many actors? On ten. Ten. Ten actors okay, right. and some playing multiple parts. Yeah. Um, how, how do you begin to rehearse for a play like this? You know, that's such a good question because um, every play is different. And uh, I I almost always start the same way with almost um, just a kind of a wide open vision to it. And I love to hear it because reading it and then hearing it and it's is such for a director. It's like some like a whole world opens up to you because the actors are bringing something maybe you didn't think about probably didn't think about and how you incorporate that into it or let that run or what you do with that. So it's, it it is every play starts there. Even if it's a play I've written, I, I allow it to sort of burst open through the, the actor's interpretations and then move on from there. This play is again, unique because it's almost like, you know, four different plays are going on at the, at the same time, kind of interwoven. Um, so each one is approached differently, how they move, how they sit, how they stand, how they whatever. And I don't, I don't, I kind of let them run with that. As the director, I feel it's my job to be the mirror for them. Is that working? Is that not working? Give it, you know, this. Or, so I don't, um, and I was so blessed with an amazing cast. I mean, just brilliant and so committed. So um, I think that was, you know, that's, that's usually how I start. And then we just, take it from there and see what's working. Uh, and um, I, again, the only thing I did with this play that was really very different was I didn't want them sitting all the time. I wanted movement and they, they made that work beautifully. It was just beautiful. How, how long a rehearsal, uh, total rehearsal time before the play was ready to be uh, put on? Um, not counting the time for the attempts previously, which I think they did rehearse a little. I wasn't part of that. Okay. Um, I was brought in after the pandemic or, you know, when, at least when the theaters opened and, um, I think it was you know, between six and eight weeks. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a commitment for, you know, for people in community theater, because these are people coming from jobs and then going at night. To, you know, they, so you have to rehearse at night, right? You have to rehearse at night and, and you do it because you just love it. And like I said, they were just so committed and wonderful. I, I, I was honored. That's great. How does this play compare, uh, since you you've directed before, um, how does it compare to anything that you have done before? Um, it, 
you know, in some ways, very much the same because of the way I approach it. I very much approach it from a, find the emotion, find the emotion in this and find the humanity in that because that's what your audience connects to. That's what makes it come alive. So that's, that's the, that's what I lead with. Um, but what was different about it is again, you're not weaving together a single story where everybody is working off of everybody else on stage. Every time somebody else came to the fore to continue their story. And again, those are interwoven in of themselves. Someone speaks, they sit, someone else comes and speaks, that person comes back, continues their story, which was a really great way to write that. I mean, it really made it very engaging. Um, but uh, I would say that that would be the big difference. The other thing I would say, and I don't know if anyone else spoke to this, but this is, you know, when people write their personal story, and particularly in this and what these people have been through, you care very deeply about your character in a way that you might, you, I mean, you always care about your character and you always be, make it, but you care about how they feel about what you're doing. You know, even if they never see it, you want to honor that and honor their experience. And, and so I feel like that's, that would probably be something that's a little bit different. You want it to be totally true to them in the best way that you can. Are you more of a hands-on director or do you step back and let the actors find their, their way? I'm very collaborative. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking and um, sharing and, uh, and you, you know, the, the actors, you, they need to trust you too. And they trust you if you trust them. So, you know, like I trust you to do a great job with this. And I, I think that that's, that's so encouraging for somebody, you know, that I, so I, 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 I love teamwork. So I, I, yeah, I think that I would say I'm that I'm a, I'm a team player. You're a team player. Yeah. What, what was, I asked some of the uh, cast members this, what was the impact on you as a director different from those who are actually portraying the characters in the I think what's different for me is maybe not so, you know, obviously being a director and trying to make it as impactful as possible, but also my years of experience working in that environment um, where I just felt so, it was so important to make this right and make make it so people can understand what this experience is like. I mean, not that everyone I worked with was exonerated or, but I, I just felt if people, people knew who these people are, they would welcome them. I think that's something, you know, welcome them back into communities and want to see them succeed. And I, and I, I think that, that's really important and that was really important for me to have conveyed in the play that even i i think even if somebody is exonerated there's a, a probably people that believe that they're really guilty still yes. or they did something or they you know whatever and and not so, this something else right 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 they weren't good guys or whatever so so i think that I, it's very important to me that again the humanity of people 
becomes apparent. Like we are all want the same things and, 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 and deserve, you know, that kind of option regardless. Now you, in your resume, which we mentioned early on, um, you did some acting yourself. What, yes. what kinds of plays were you in? Well, not musicals. <laughs> not musicals. <laughs> I can't sing. Um, but I did, uh, I've done some original work and um, I've done some, you know, I have some, some favorites that I did. I really, really, really like comedy, but I've done things as, um, you know, some things that are quite dark sometimes. Uh, so I, um, I'm not terribly selective. I'm kind of willing to go with anything that, I mean, at my age, what, you know, what there's, there are specific roles that I can still play and others that I can't. So, um, so pretty much anything. I really like comedy. I really like, not necessarily farce, but comedy. Yeah. What what have you done while well, you were directing the play in Connecticut? But what what's uh, what have you done recently in acting? Let's see. When was the last time I was on a stage really acting? It's been a while since it was before the pandemic. So it's been a while. I think the last thing I did was um, I did Veronica's Room. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. What is that about? So dark. Um, it's it's dark. so dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I end up murdering somebody at the end of it. Um, and then things like Brighton Beach Memoirs I did where I played Blanche. I loved, I oh, loved that great. role. That was a great experience. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've never done really Shakespeare in any way, although I've studied Shakespeare. I've never done that. And I think that's something I'd like to, to try my hand at some point. But Right now, I seem to be pretty consumed with writing and directing and a lot of teaching. I teach kids. I, te I teach a lot. Yeah. I, we didn't really explore that. Um, you, you, uh, you did mention the pl uh, prisons in Connecticut that you taught at. But where, where do you teach children? So right now there's um, a theater. I've taught in, in Bridgeport. I had a group of kids and I was teaching at the um, Center for Family Justice there. So that was a few years we did that. And then um, the pandemic. And so now yeah. I teach. There's a group here um, that I teach. It's called um, Teachers Inspire Acting. Uh, yeah. And I teach private classes. And um, I think we're beginning a group class there. Uh, so I do that. And again, I teach in, in the nursing homes, which is unbelievably awesome i mean i have 90 something year olds learning to write playing a part being singing and, and just having so much fun it's just so great so you have the two ends of the spectrum yeah yeah right? children and uh and adults seniors, or, you know, yeah. seniors i guess yeah. you could say yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah they're terrific it's just so we have a performance coming up this week and it's just so fun that's wonderful now you, we talked about this with the cast, um, uh, the but I wanted your thoughts on it as well. You had talkbacks um, after, yeah. were they after every performance? You, you did so. ten, 10 shows. Yeah, and the first show and the last show we did not. So we had eight. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. And um, what, tell us about your, your uh, feelings about the, the talkbacks. What what was that like? That was um, really added weight 
to this because what we had um, I, a gentleman I knew from one of the facilities who was not exonerated, but had been released under the second look program and um, was able to come in and tell his story. He was incarcerated as a, as a child for decades um, and had been released and he was really powerful. And then two gentlemen, um, actually one was exonerated and one was his best friend who had spent many years with him in prison also. Uh, they came in and spoke, they spoke a couple of times. Um, and then I also had a gentleman that I worked with on and off for a long time. We're both playwrights and he, but he's also um, a detective and uh, he, he runs a program called Her Time and Hang Time Real Talk, which is a program for people coming out of prison to gather and get some help um, moving forward in their lives and be around people who know what their experience is and share it and, you know, guidance and, you know, all that, that those, that kind of a group would offer. Uh, he's really something very special. He's got quite a huge thing going, a great group of people he works with. And, and uh, he came and talked about the experience and um what was the name of of that program i didn't catch that uh there are two one is for gentlemen it's um hang time real talk hang time real talk um, right and another one is called her time which is obviously for women and that is actually run at the center for family justice i think it's still there whereabouts in connecticut is that bridgeport oh bridgeport i mm -hmm. see all right that's that's wonderful because certainly um I'm in touch with a number of people who have been incarcerated for a long time and a few of them have gotten out. And after something like 25 years, the transition is so difficult. So difficult. So yeah. difficult. So as we often say, the world that you were in is not the world. The world you left behind is not the world you're coming back into. Yeah. It, it's, it's very, very challenging. So th these are, Great, uh, if I have Connecticut listeners, a great uh, program yeah. to, to yeah. know about. Um, I wanted, I've asked everybody this question. <clears throat> what are your personal feelings about the death penalty? I don't understand it. I don't understand ever taking a life. I just don't, I don't understand how that could ever be okay. Yeah. Well, there are many countries in Europe now that, don't do that anymore. I, I hope we follow suit because okay. as we've spoken about uh, in several of the podcasts with, with the cast, um, there's no sure way to be positive that we have the right person. So no, that and even still, even if you... And the concept, the concept. The whole concept. I cannot wrap my head around that in any way. I can't. I mean, even as we're talking, it's, yeah. I can't understand that. I can't understand that. Well, this was lovely. I'm so pleased, Beth, that you joined us today to introduce uh, the, the exonerated. And we look forward to meeting with the, uh, the rest of the cast in future podcasts. I appreciate your time and so glad that we had this opportunity to talk about a very a very important play. And what, what just always amazes me is how long ago it was written and that it continues to pop up here and there. Right. Yep. Across, yep. Across the it, world. It's valuable. It's, it's, it is a very, it's a, a, and 
not you can't find this anywhere else right now. You can't. So so I think that it is. It, yeah, I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank I'm you glad. so much for having me. Really, it's been you're, a pleasure. You're very very welcome. And please join us next time where we begin to meet the cast of the play, The Exonerated. And thank you, Beth Young, for being with us today. Tune in next time to Pursuing Justice. And thanks for listening.